0: Welcome to the Unhinged Sports Network exclusive NHL show, Two for Chirping, with your hosts Ken, Trevor, and Jimmy. Two for Chirping is brought to you by our partners at Fanatics and
1: TV. On this week's episode of Two for Chirping, we're going to have our regular segments of studs and duds and around the boards, and we're also going to do our new favorite, Ask the Unhinged Experts. But with the recent uh, Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl and the Bleacher Connection having some goat talk... On a few of our last episodes, we felt like it's a great time to have some NHL GOAT talk. And by that, we mean not just the greatest of all time, but the greatest of the era, because we believe that there's a difference there. So stay tuned for who we think are some of the GOATs from around the NHL. Before we get started on all of our hockey talk, spring training started today, gentlemen. Pitchers and catchers reported. And I don't know about you guys, even being north of the border, I'm extremely excited about baseball season and I know the unhinged sports network is as well. Jimmy, why don't you take off on that?
2: Yeah, unhinged sports networks going into baseball season full- on. Got a lot of really passionate baseball fans, the bleacher connection here with me, obviously big Blue Jays fans. Uh, but we got we cover basically all areas of the league. And we're going to start doing a baseball show like this, the high heater. I'm on that one too. I know you guys want to get rid of me on the unhinged sports network or stop hearing my voice. It's not going to happen. I was on NFL unhinged. I'm on two for Chirping, And now I'm going to be on the high heater, but that's going to start the week before uh, the regular season starts. So not probably the final week of spring training. And then we'll just be doing uh, weekly episodes every Thursday because those are the travel days for the MLB schedule. Um, and it's going to be me, Jim, who was on the episode of this show last week, Kelsey from the Hilo Sports podcast, and then the dorm room dispute guys will be joining us as well. So it's full panel, and we'll have a rotating seat. So I'm sure Ken and Trevor can come on and, and tell us you're going into hostile territory. I'm just going to tell you because Jim's a Sox fan, I'm a Yankees fan. You're going go, you're going to go into hostile territory if you bring the Blue Jays up in up in that show. Well, are we? Uh, we'll, are we allowed
1: we'll to happily bring the Blue Jays up?
0: are we allowed to mention the Rockies if we do?
2: <clears throat> yeah, we, uh, if you mention the Rockies, I might have to just go sit in the corner because I won't have anything to say back. I, <laughs> it's, it's all I can say there. I live in Colorado. I am a fan of the team, but I can't be a fan of the team when you trade away a hall of famer and pay $50 million for the team to take him. I just way to, way to bring up bright And now I'm upset. <laughs> well, sorry. I'm sorry, Jimmy.
1: Hopefully the blue Jays are in playoff contention this year. Uh, I think they might be, if they are, we definitely want to be on, be on the show because it's not very often as a Blue Jays fan that we might actually get to enjoy some good times. So we want to get our voices out there when we can.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, no, I'm sure we'll have you guys on plenty because that's, it's always going to be fun to have different perspectives on everything.
1: So as we were guys just discussing off air, we were, we were talking about some of the moves around baseball this off season And the the George Springer deal coming to Toronto came up where we were kind of shocked, but there was a deal signed this week that I think I personally was very shocked by it. And I kind of want to get your guys' take on it. And that's Fernando Tatis Jr. 14 years, $340 million. Ken, what do you think of this deal?
0: Man, uh, for a second, well, I going into his third year or whatever. That's a, that's a massive contract. We thought the second year deals were done in, in hockey. If this is what it's going to be like in baseball, man, I was shocked Like at the turn at the number of years, maybe not. You want to lock this guy up as long as you can, but I guess to do that, you got to spend a lot of money. I don't know what or how the Padres are going to do to maintain that payroll. I think, not including Tatis over the next few years, like three years, four years, they got over 300 million locked up in four players, I think it was. Their payroll is insane. I mean, this guy has come out of the gate flying. Looks like he could be a great, great player. But, man, if this goes sideways in any way, Padres are going to be in some trouble because that is an immovable contract.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're basically trying in that division, just trying to end with the Dodgers. And when you're a team like the Padres, who doesn't quite make as much money as the Dodgers do, it's going to be a lot difficult, a lot more difficult to keep that pace up. And yeah, you're going to lock up Tatis for 14 years. Are you going to be able to bring in any talent around him? Cause baseball is one of the most team centered games. You can't have one star player and have them drag everybody else because nine other eight other guys get to swing the bat or somebody else is in the field. It's it makes these 14-year contracts, unless you're Mike Trout or, uh, you know, I, I think Todd Helton had a pretty long deal when he was here at the end of his career with Colorado. You got to be sure that they're the thing. And two years of work, yeah, he's, he's had a great two years of work, but that's a long commitment. And you're not going to be able to bring in anything around him. So you got to hope that he's one of the greatest players of his generation, just so that you can field some sort of success around him.
1: I'm going to take this in a little bit of a different direction. And and I think, I think Tatis Jr. is actually doing himself a disservice. He's only signing for approximately, let's say we average, it out, $24 million a year. A lot of the top name players right now are actually signing for 30, 35, $40 million a year. I think Tatis Jr. sold himself short and actually could have made more money over this 14 year term than then he's going to end up getting. So I'm, I'm shocked. He went that long. And as for the Padres, I understand it. You know, you're a smaller market, get the guy locked up. And you actually got him locked up at a relatively almost inexpensive $24 million if he keeps progressing. So I don't know. I actually think Tatis Jr. made a mistake and left money on the table long-term.
0: Well, I think, too. I was thinking about it in a similar way of the disservice to himself, is that they're good right now. They're not good in six years. He still has a very long time on that contract with a lot of money. Because the same thing, if Machado doesn't work out, he's still there for nine more years at a big. You say thirty million dollars for him. So yeah, it's uh he's banking on the Padres being good for a long time, and that twenty four million season you're talking about, Trev. Maybe that's the hometown discount so they can spend down the road.
1: Well, I know the, the value of it goes down. The first few years are over 30 million, I think, in the 35 range. And it starts to go down after a few years. So possibly it is exactly that.
2: It's it's a strategy. I w- it was a bold move just because it's San Diego and not L.A. throwing around $300 million contracts. Not, not many other teams in this division do that. I mean, I live right in the middle of the NL West Territory. It's whether it's usually the Angels, and that's funny because they never win anything, or the Dodgers, or the Yankees. But the Padres spending three hundred million dollars, this makes me feel even worse as a Rockies fan as to where this could end up going.
0: Again, though, they spent it again. Like I, I don't know. Sure. You know, Trevor, you and I was a couple weeks ago. We said between the Padres and Dodgers, whose wallet's going to win out? Uh, they found some more money. I don't know.
1: And don't forget, I said the Atlanta Braves.
0: Yeah, yeah, you went off board.
1: Well. Yeah, you heard it. You heard it there first. I'm gonna repeat it on two for chirping. I've got the Atlanta Braves coming out of the National League next year. <laughs> I think they've got the pitching to stack up with some of these other teams. Uh in another move, and we were just talking about the Dodgers. You've got Trevor Bauer going there for three years, 103 million. That to me. That pitching staff is ridiculous. Um, uh, David Price didn't even pitch last year, and they're going to potentially add him. So, the the Dodgers look like a force to be reckoned with. And I think the only teams that could beat them are you know good pitching beats good pitching. We shall see. Uh, Jimmy, what did you think of Trevor Bauer going to the Dodgers?
2: I mean, they really. I think this was kind of to hedge their bets with David price, because there's a lot of talk about whether or not he's going to come back and play, or, or maybe he's just going to, you know, take his money and, and go home, but it, it kind of hedges you the bets there. And it keeps that same level of in the rotation that they had last year, because it really does. You can have all the bats in the world. The Yankees prove this every year. You can have all the bats in the world and hit 10 home runs, but if you don't have pitching to give up less than 10 runs, it's not going to be worth anything. So It's a smart move. It's one that I'm fairly familiar with. They're always going to make sure that they bolster the, they're not going to have a weak point in their roster. They have the money that they can just throw around and not have any weak point in their, in their club. So it's a good move for them. It's going to make them very difficult. I still see them coming out of the NL. Um, I don't see them getting upset or anything like that. I think they're hungry to win even more because they should have won three by now with some of this roster that they've had put together i think they want to go out and prove they are one of the best teams to to play
0: yeah and now we know they've really only lost jock peterson because they brought justin turner back as well so that's just a team that is already stacked getting that much better and uh, i think the dodgers can start counting on being deep in the playoffs almost every year for the next little while
1: yeah and kershaw proved he could get over that hump and Because he doesn't have to prove it anymore. Does he now just pitch without hesitation in the playoffs and be as dominant as, as he is in the regular season. Now.
2: Let's, let's think about this. If the Rams and Dodgers go to the playoffs next year, how many times are we going to have to hear about Kershaw and Stafford being teammates in high school?
1: Yeah, no kidding.
2: Already wild, but now they are going to be in the same city chasing championships together. That's going to be unbearable.
1: Well, speaking of some NFL news, we had a, a relatively big trade in the NFL where uh, Carson Wentz got traded from the Eagles to the Colts. I I don't know what to think of Carson Wentz. To be brutally honest, he he essentially took a team to the Super Bowl, got hurt, and then has sucked ever since. So I don't know what I where I'm at leaning at with him. So Ken, what's your thoughts on him? Well, again, we
0: talked about it before. We when you do have the goat conversation in football, it is one sport where for you to be good and or great, you have to have the pieces around you that are at least good so that you got to rely on people to do their job well for you to succeed. So I sometimes find it hard to believe how quick and a guy can fall off a cliff like that. And I don't know if it was injuries. We've seen it with Eric Carlson in the NHL, great defenseman looking like that gets injured and isn't the same. So is it the same for Wentz? I don't know much. As much about Philadelphia as that, but I don't know. I don't is going to the Colts a really big upgrade over the the Eagles? Is he gonna have a few more weapons? Is it the, it could also have been the system too? Like give him a shot. If it doesn't work out after you know, if next year's no better, then I think it's safe to say it's Carson Wentz and maybe not the Eagles in their system and the players around him.
2: I I think that this actually made a lot of sense. I think Carson Wentz going to the Colts. There needed to be a clean reset for him. And I think this trade benefits the Colts and Carson Wentz the most. It, it can do whatever it wants with the Eagles. I think that the Eagles were – they made their intentions clear in that Week 17 matchup that they were not going to put Carson Wentz back in. Like, like they, he was not going to be a part of their future, so it doesn't really affect them. But, but Carson Wentz now gets to start over in a new culture because I think the main thing that kind of caused his downfall, it's not talent. He's still really talented. And put in the right situation can win you football games. He doesn't have to, to compete with anybody to be the number one quarterback on that team. He's the guy. That, that was the whole thing after Foles won them the Super Bowl. Uh, I wish Nick Foles would have started. I think Carson should start. And then the team just basically fell apart. So it works out well for him. And now with the Colts, you bring in a guy who is probably an upgrade over what you could have had. I think the only quarterback they have on their roster because Jacoby Brissett is a free agent was Jacob Eason. So you bring in a guy who's going to start for you. You can see if you have something with Jacob Eason in in some kind of a bridge with Carson Wentz or draft a quarterback early on next year, because if Carson Wentz is bad, this team is not going to do very well. They're going to have a pretty nice draft pick.
1: Thinking from uh, last year, from this year to next year is, is Wentz an upgrade over Rivers?
2: I would say just based on the fact that he's young and can move and can do some kind of athletic thing i I give Philip Rivers credit he's going to be a hall of famer, but he was definitely in a different part of his career than Carson wentz is going to Indianapolis than when he did
1: yeah, it's that that team kind of just fell from grace really quickly you know in the Super Bowl a few years ago and now last place in the worst division in football it's it's kind of shocking what's happened to the Philadelphia Eagles in just the course of a couple of years. And shocking what's happening to another team, uh, the Houston Texans, J.J. Watt, a yeah. free agent this year. Deshaun Watson most likely on his way out. Jimmy, where do you think J.J. Watt might end up?
2: Uh, I actually, funny enough, wrote a blog about this on Monday And I talked about some of the more obscure teams because there's the obvious connections. Pittsburgh's an obvious connection with his two brothers. That's where a lot of people want him to go because they want to see three brothers playing on the team at the same time. That'd be the first time in NFL history. So I threw that one out. I think Green Bay makes a lot of sense because he's from Wisconsin and he fits into that defensive scheme. And for the Packers, it might help them get a little bit tougher. They're soft. Packers are one of the best teams but they're the softest team in the NFL you saw that in the NFC championship
1: yeah, I was just going to say that
2: so I, I think that it would make them better and he would still be able to thrive still finish out as a hall of famer it would be reminiscent of Reggie White when he went to the Packers coming out of Philadelphia and then the other one that I thought, thought made a lot of sense was Chicago because that's where his wife plays in the MLS could pair him with Khalil Mack and make a super defense and not have to worry about how terrible your offense is. Um, and then the last place was Tennessee, and that was hmm. only because Mike Vrabel was the defensive coordinator when Houston drafted J.J. Watt. So there is a little bit of a connection there.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And Houston needs to replace Daryl Casey. They struggled after letting him go in free agency. So those are the three teams that I think he should consider. Who knows who he's actually considering.
1: I'm I'm slowly becoming a closet Cleveland Browns fan, so I'm actually kind of hoping he uh, he goes to Cleveland.
0: Well, I know as you to keep following all the Cleveland Twitter accounts.
1: There's some good Cleveland Twitter accounts. Yeah,
0: I if he does go to Pittsburgh, I hope the chemistry there is better than what he and his brothers had on that Ultimate Tag Show because I watched that a couple times and not, good. not good. I, no. I think when I say a couple times, I think it was. I turned on the first episode. I watched it for a little bit spent 20 minutes on my phone and then went back to it. I counted that as two, two views because it was not great. Um, yeah, I think JJ Watt, I mean, selfishly as a Seahawks fan, please. But I think uh, if he goes to, you mentioned green Bay, he's looking for a championship. Is that going to be enough to get them over the hump? And is that going to be enough to say, keep Aaron Rodgers happy for them to even have a shot at that I don't I think he wants to go where he can win so if that's the case does he look at KC and take a sweetheart deal for next to nothing with the possibility of winning a championship or does he go out to Tampa with Tom and you know trying up bol- bolster that already pretty good defense
2: I mean it's I, I don't know. It, those are kind of, I think he does want to go to a team with a quarterback that's somewhat established. So um, I didn't even think about the Browns. That would honestly be a lot like when DeMarcus Ware went to the Broncos. You have a good quarterback that can bring you to the playoffs and then you pair Miles Garrett with JJ Watt and have him learn a little bit. Cause I think Miles Garrett is well on his way to being one of the better pass rushers in the NFL and, and can possibly break some of the all time sack records beyond being the top 10 there it would be interesting for that other than that seattle i'm sorry ken but i think they're out because their quarterback situation apparently is not what everybody thought the guy guy that just signed a huge extension wants out because they can't protect him i don't blame him he's taken 397 sacks in seven years so he has a little bit of room to gripe um But it's got to be somebody who's established and and is going to make a championship push. And Tom Brady, if he gets JJ Watt, I'm not counting the next Super Bowl because that's just not fair. (laughs)
0: Well, maybe they can, you know, JJ Watt can pull a LeBron and he can uh, recruit Vaughn Miller to join him. Because I I heard, I read that the Broncos are going to release him. So, you know, he and Miller can maybe work together as a team and, you know, make a super defense summer.
1: Yeah, and then they they can recruit whoever to bring in Deshaun Watson, and there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh,
2: the Broncos are about to shoot themselves in their own foot because I think they want to make room for Watson, but if they let Von Miller go. Who knows what that's going to do?
1: That yeah, makes a lot of sense for them to go to, to be interested in him, though.
2: Yeah, uh, and Vaughn they should have traded Vaughn. I don't think that they should have cut Vaughn. They should have traded him. Just like I don't think the Texans should have cut J.J. Watt. They should have traded him. Because if you can benefit from losing a Hall of Fame caliber player, that's always a move to go to. I don't care how – I'll give J.J. Watt credit because he did a lot for the city and he does a lot for charity, and I'm not taking anything like that away. But if you're looking at it from a business or wanting to get back to competitive standpoint, get something back for your Hall of Fame caliber player that you're letting leave. He doesn't, they didn't have to let him go. They didn't have to cut him. They could have kept him around. No trade clause in his contract. Sorry, buddy. Same thing they can do with Deshaun Watson. They, the, I listened to your guys' episode recently, so I'm thinking of back to, to what you guys were saying, but they really seem, it's like major league where they're, they're trying to lose as many games as possible so they can move somewhere. They don't, they don't want to be in Houston. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, don't,
0: I don't know what's in the water in Houston, but guys just don't want to be there. It's. It's crazy. it's crazy. Those teams aren't weren't they weren't bad. They weren't bad teams in the the Rockets and the Texans. You know, the Astros cheated their way to a championship, but whatever. You know, the teams in that area aren't horrible, but guys don't want to be there for whatever
2: reason. Well, it's the it's the trash can curse now because since they got caught cheating, you lost Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. That team has basically exploded on itself. And then the Texans, you traded away DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, and now you are going to lose the face of your franchise for the next 15 years. So I I guarantee you people think that there are curses in the NFL for less. This is a huge NFL curse. I don't don't know what they're going to have to do to break this one, cut the head off a live rooster at midfield, something like that. But it's going to have to be drastic before they're going to be back to where they should be.
0: Oh, you mentioned Major League, you gotta sacrifice a chicken before a game.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Big old bucket KFC. Uh, we said we'll run to jobu. Joe Boo.
1: I gotta spitball an idea here, I actually just thought of. Do you think Deshaun Watson could go to uh Jacksonville with the number one pick and play? Uh it would depend on Obviously, I think there'd have to be more, but yeah, it
2: would be more, but I think I don't know if Urban wants to work with a quarterback who's been in the pros. I think urban definitely needs to start with a rookie quarterback so that they both have as little experience in the NFL as possible. Cause you could lose control of a team with a guy like Deshaun Watson, who's a professional and he's going to, he's going to try and coach. I think he's going to try and coach like he did in college and be an authoritarian. So he's going to need his star players as young as possible so that he can do that. Plus. As an guys who, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jimmy. I was just saying guys who watched him win all those championships at Florida and Ohio state, he needs those kinds of guys so that he can establish whatever culture he's going to want.
0: And I think as an organization, to be able to build around a new guy, a new budding star that's fresh, clean, and doesn't have – I'm not saying Deshaun Watson has a bad history, but he he has a history in the NFL. You're able to start fresh and build new. I think that's what Jacksonville, coming off a one-win season, is going to want to do.
1: So, yeah, we've been talking about sports that uh, aren't playing right now, I think, for quite a long time. Let's maybe switch gears here. Let's talk about this one of the sports that is playing, and that that's our beloved NHL. And, uh, again, this is the two-for-chirping hockey show, so we'll get into our hockey talk now. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Ken and I, on a couple of our recent episodes on the Bleacher Connection, got into some GOAT talk, greatest of all time and greatest of the era. And Jimmy actually approached us with the idea, let's do it for the NHL boys. So with that being said, we're going to pick a few of our our positional players and we're going to go the greatest of all time and the greatest of the era. So why don't we start between the pipes? Ken, what goalie do you have kind of as your of the era and of all time?
0: Well, there's two and they actually fall under both categories. So I'm going to pick one. And that is, I, I'm going to go with New Jersey Devils, Martin Brodeur. I think when you talk about greatest of all time and greatest of the era, I think it, for myself, Marty Brodeur has, he's just, he's won everything. There isn't anything that he has not won as a professional goaltender. I think if Martin Brodeur is not a New Jersey Devil, New Jersey Devils have no cups. I think he, those Cups were one on his back. He had a good team in front of him. There was good players. I'm not taking away from that. But without Martin Brodeur, I don't think they win. I don't think they're as good as they were.
1: Yeah, he was kind of – he was the New Jersey Devils for a long time. And I whenever I think of the New Jersey Devils, I, I still think of Martin Brodeur. And he's yep. been away from that organization now for, what, four or five years, if not uh, – if not longer, like the Martin Brodeur is the New Jersey devil. So I can't really, I can't really argue a whole lot of what you're saying there, Ken. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, what's your thoughts on Brodeur? And then who's your goat goalie? I got an idea yours and mine might be the same.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, Brodeur, obviously with the success that he's had, it's pretty difficult to say anybody else other than him. Um, so I don't disagree that he should be, Either the greatest of all time or greatest of the era. But, I mean, mine – if you've heard our show before or know me from my podcast, I'm a diehard Avalanche fan. And I love Montreal for giving gifting us Patrick Wah, and those two Stanley Cup championships because he's definitely the reason that we won those. Because the, the the Nordiques were good the season before they came to Colorado, but they got beat in the playoffs just not having a solid goaltender fix that problem and then won two cups in the next five years it's not too hard to figure out why
1: yeah I I can't stray too far away from what you're saying there either of you guys I think when it comes to goalie talk I think Brodeur and Waugh are one and two one a one b for sure I would probably lean towards Patrick Waugh just because he did it on a few teams not just on one team and I know I'm that kind of goes against some of what i believe in where you know i kind of like the guy who stays with one organization for his career but i just think patrick Waugh did it in montreal he did it in, in colorado uh his post nhl career wasn't wasn't real great <laughs> yeah we
0: won't look at the coach <laughs> we won't
1: uh we won't get too far into that one but i think yeah brodeur and patrick Waugh are probably for sure one a one b
0: yeah and Waugh was my other one like i think when you look at all-time and era, for me, it's still those two. What I kind of looked at where I put Brodeur slightly ahead of Wa in that, where it's a 1A, 1B situation, I think the Montreal teams that won the Cup could have won the Cup without Patrick Waugh in some of those cases. Yeah. So that's where I give the slight edge to Brodeur. Is, you know, Patrick Waugh still had to come in and be good and great like as a rookie and everything like that. He still had to make the saves. But I think Montreal was such a powerhouse that they could have done it with someone who wasn't as good as Patrick Waugh was and turned out to be. I think they still could have been a powerhouse in the NHL that way, where New Jersey would have not been that been that
2: team. I think you could use that point to argue Patrick Waugh too because he didn't have to be the greatest in Montreal, but then he went to Colorado and had to be the number one goaltender and was able to do it. So you yeah. can use those two are so... I say that you can separate them by Patrick Wall being a little bit older and, and not playing for quite as long as Brodeur um, did. But those two are pretty difficult to argue against for greatest goalies of all time or of their eras. It's absolutely those two.
1: I'm going to throw one uh, one more third name out there, and that's Dominic Hasek. I think he we was do, incredibly – Bring up the Red Wings. I think he was incredibly <laughs> unorthodox, but especially when he played with the, the Buffalo Sabres – I don't know that there was actually a better goaltender than Dominic Hasek and the crazy saves that he would make and the highlight reels. I don't, I don't think he has the career resume quite that uh, uh, Brodeur and Patrick Wad do, but I, I definitely think Dominic Hasek is in that conversation.
0: I think he gets
2: the most unconventional goalie of all time.
1: Oh, by a mile.
2: Yeah. No, it's those red wing teams are always so, difficult to play and it was partially because you knew he was in the goal and even if you had a great chance he was going to do some cartwheel in the crease and knock it out somehow it was never going in the net so I I think that he's it he just misses out on the experience and the years of being the best he probably was the best for the little bit that he was playing but you got to do it for a long time to be greatest of all time
1: yeah Dominic Hasek I I have a hard time cheering for him after he essentially single-handedly eliminated team Canada in the 98 Olympics and uh in the winning the shootout in what was it, the quarterfinal or the semifinal Ken
0: I think it might have uh, been the quarters yeah we, I think and, we went out early in that one
1: and uh just you know Wayne Gretzky on the bench and he doesn't even shoot in a shootout and uh, I got I have a hate on for Dominic Hasek because of that that was another gold medal Canada should have had at the Olympics the
0: rest or of Canada two. hated on Mark Crawford for not using
1: him. <laughs> yeah no kidding
2: what uh, what country was Hashik playing for? I'm sorry. The, the Czechs.
1: Yeah, Czech ah. Republic. Well, just painful memories.
2: At least he wasn't part of the Russian wave that came over and played for Detroit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so let's move away from the goalies and bring it out to the blue lines. And let's go with our greatest defenseman of the era and of all time. And Ken and I actually did a show on this uh, probably about three weeks ago with the Bleacher Connection. And... I think the greatest defenseman of all time is Bobby Orr. But I think of the era, it's uh, for the era, it's Nick Lidstrom. Bobby Orr didn't get to play. I think he only ended up playing roughly nine seasons, maybe right around there. It was eight. Eight,
0: eight seasons. With the, eight with the Bruins, 27 games over two years with the Blackhawks.
1: And Bobby Orr routinely put up well over 100 points 130 points some years which is just crazy for a defenseman so I think he's probably the greatest of all time but I think it's in dispute with Lidstrom because Lidstrom had the more distinguished playing career it was longer he played I think it was 19 seasons right around there
0: 1920 yeah somewhere rip, rip, all yeah, with
1: yeah. the all with the Detroit Red Wings all with one team like I don't think there's much argument here that those two are probably number one or number two on everybody's list, but then for me, it's, uh, Bobby Orr and Nick Lindstrom. Uh, Jim, or sorry, Jimmy, what are you thinking?
2: No, I was just kind of, I was going to bring up Lindstrom's teammate in Chelios with the red wings. He was really solid. That was a, I mean, when they were both on the blue line, that was basically impossible to get close to the goaltender. Um, when I think of defensemen, I actually think of Brian Leach, mainly because for a while he was the greatest American defenseman in the NHL playing hockey. And I really do like the way that he plays. He was I'm a fan of defensemen. I like being – if I was going to play hockey, I'd want to be the bag of knuckles that sits at the blue line. That, that would be my go-to uh, go-to assignment. But I really – if I'm going to – I'll put Brian Leach as my greatest American defenseman of all time. My personal greatest of all time defenseman was Ray Bork. And that was kind of, I mean, that's a homer a little bit, but he was more a Bruin than he was an avalanche. I'm just happy that we were able to get him the cup. He uh, he stepped in for an organization that was losing one of its faces and he became the face of the Bruins for a long time. And that pains me to say, but I, I do love Ray Bork. He's, my, he's one of my greatest of all time defensemen for
1: sure. You know, I got to go right to your Brian Leach. And sorry, I'm going to cut in here for a second, Ken, but it goes right to our episode a few weeks ago. I didn't even think of Brian Leach and Ken and I did a a top five of all time. And Ken actually had Brian Leach in his top five. And as soon as he brought him up, I was just like, Oh yeah, that guy was really good.
0: Yeah. I think, I think I've had him at three.
1: Yeah. Three or four. four.
0: Yeah. Well, you said greatest American defenseman of all time. I, there was a time where you could take, remove the defenseman part of that. And it was greatest, you know, American player of all time. Uh, Brian Leach is a good one there as much as it pains me to say it because of the 94 cup loss the Canucks had to the Rangers, but Brian Leach was a very good defenseman and you kind of, you can forget about the, the Toronto years and he played somewhere else after that too. Didn't he Trevor? I forget what it was. Boston. Yeah. But you kind of forget about those years because he'll always be a Ranger in my opinion, the one I think of Brian Leach, but yeah, those are Ray Bork. I like the fact that the Bruins did him that solid because he was such a good defenseman and they, you know, I think they owed him a championship and they, they got him to Colorado to win it. So I, I like that one. Um,
2: they did it the right way too, because they got something in return. It was a trade. Yeah. They were able to kind of get back to their old form too.
1: Yeah. You mentioned Ray Bork and when Ken and I did our list, I actually had him at number six. And my reasoning on having him there was, he didn't win a cup in Boston. He had to go to Colorado to get a cup and all the other players kind of on our list, Won cups with let's say their original franchise. So Ray Bork, it was by far one of the best ever, no questions asked, but I, I kept him outside and had a guy like Paul coffee in there ahead of him because they won cups with their original franchise.
0: Yeah. Uh, my greatest of all time and greatest of the era. It's, Bob Orr and Nick Lidstrom, I mean, you're splitting hairs on where you put them, really. I had Nick Lidstrom as number one, but for this conversation, I'll give him the era, and I'll, I'll, I'll split that hair, and I'll agree with you, Trevor, uh, or for, for greatest of all time. You, it's really – it's a 1A, 1B. You can sit and argue for hours on really who belongs where, and no one would be wrong, honestly. They, those are just two of the greatest defensemen. If you if you want to go twin goats and it's greatest of all time, those two guys. It's hard to try and I think, in my opinion, argue uh, someone else in in front of either one of them.
1: Hey Ken, can we quickly rewind the tape? And instead of saying I agree with you, Trevor, I'd prefer if you say, Trevor, you're right.
0: No, I worded it correctly. <laughs> I was very careful in how I said that.
1: Oh. Well, you got me last week on tape saying that you were right. So I was kind of hoping you'd return the favor. Uh, No. (laughs) So let's move, uh, move into our forwards. And I I think there's a clear greatest of all time in this list, but I'm interested to see some of the other names that we do band, uh, bandy about Uh, Jimmy, which way do you want to go here?
2: Uh, Obviously Gretzky probably is going to be the greatest of all time. And, uh, the stat that I heard today was there's a guy who's been playing in the NHL for 26 years. He'd have to play until he was 60 to even get close to Gretzky's point total. Um, and Gretzky also has the four 200 goal seasons in the NHL history. So difficult to say that anybody is better than him. I'm going to go with Peter Forsberg, though, as great <laughs> of the era. Because, wow. you know, he was when he was on the ice back in the 90s with the Avs and then even a little bit when he moved to Nashville, he was still a top two threat offensively to score or get an assist. And he was also really physical as a forward. He He's similar to McKinnon in where they don't have to be aggressive. They don't have to fight their own battles, but they like to, it's just a weird thing in them. Uh, so Peter Forsberg, my greatest of the era, but Gretzky's greatest of all time. Forward. I hate playing against Forsberg.
1: Oh, Forsberg drove me nuts.
2: He, last so re- many- he, he lacerated his kidney and finished the game before going to the hospital and figuring out, Oh yeah, that's why that hurts.
1: One of his greatest goals of all time, and actually Pavel Bure, too, came against the Calgary Flames, and they were both very similar, where they essentially did two laps of the entire offensive zone going around every player and scoring, and they both did it to us. It's just like, ah, I hate you guys.
0: You I mean it wasn't the Pavel Bury game seven ninety four no. playoff? No, I okay. think your
1: memory's a little <laughs> off there, Ken.
0: That's one of my favorite Bure goals against um, the Flames, but – Yeah, Peter
1: Forsberg is I think one of hard to say he's underrated but in comparison to some of the the greatest forwards of all time you know what he is there because he was well there's a like when he breakaways and stuff he invented moves nobody had ever seen and now people still do them in shootouts and stuff now it's like he was probably the most skilled player of the time I'll I'll give him that for sure he was he was amazing
0: I will say he was underrated. Like, let's be honest. If it wasn't for Peter Forsberg and his ability in the shootout, would we have games settled today by shootouts?
2: I don't know. Probably not. Peter
0: Forsberg made it look easy. And and you look at the Olympics and the international games where he did take a a ton of shootout uh, attempts. The man is talented. I will say he's underrated because I don't think he gets the love nowadays that uh, he probably deserves for being such a good player.
1: No, I I totally agree with that.
2: There's a lot of people who don't even say he's the greatest forward in Avalanche history. A lot of people say it's Sackick just because he's the captain. Uh, There's a lot of people that don't give him the credit, even within Colorado. Uh, And it's, it's pretty sad because I do, as much as I love Sackick, I think Forsberg was better.
0: That is a bit of a reach. I I mean, I like Sackick too, but I think talent wise Forsberg is definitely ahead.
1: I think Sackick was more of the, the leader and I think Forsberg was just a better player.
2: Well, I mean, Sackick scored a lot of goals off of uh, rebounds by Forsberg. Forsberg would drive and crash the net. Goalie would kick it away. And then there's Sackick with his little left-handed shot. Just boop, tap it over your head. It's in
1: the net. Sorry. You know who made a living off Peter Forsberg and Joe Sackick was Milan Aduk. Oh, Man, yeah. That guy made a ton of money off those two guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was fun having
2: him here, but he definitely he benefited from the upgrade in talent. I don't
0: think you put up the same numbers in other cities after you left.
1: Uh, no. Yeah. So my greatest of all time, I'm going to, obviously I got to go Gretzky. It's not even close. I'm going to give an honorable mention to Mario Lemieux. Um, I think Mario Lemieux could have been right there with, well, maybe not right there, but close to some of Gretzky's records. Had he not gotten fallen ill and had to miss some seasons and, and such Lemieux, I think actually had, potentially more um, sheer talent. I think Gretzky was just a smarter player, and I think he he benefited from the era that he played in. So I'm going to give honorable, honorable mention to Mario Lemieux. Uh, greatest of the era, I, same as on our show, I think it's got to be Sidney Crosby. Um, he's got the cups, he's got the international pedigree, he's got the junior pedigree, he's got the the counting stats, he's just he, he was and probably still is somewhat the face of the NHL and that hasn't changed. So I think uh, uh, Sidney Crosby for sure. And I'm going to give it a little bit of time. I think Connor McDavid might take that from him.
0: I think McDavid's got to do a lot more to be, to be in that He's
1: Greatest He's offensive
0: great- player. If that's what you want to look at it, greatest offensive of all time, then sure. Connor McDavid's going to be right there, but he's over time he's got to win he's got to do something other than just put points on the board because that doesn't make you totally
1: agree with that
0: in my that to me that doesn't make you a great player it just makes you great offensively um yeah i mean crosby he's definitely one of the best of the era mcgretzky really it's there's not much else to say um yeah, there's a lot of guys that I I would have liked to see have less injuries in a longer career to see if they had a chance to to go at Gretzky's records. I think a guy like Pavel Bure, you mentioned him earlier. If he had been healthy in his career, I I think possibly he had would have had a shot at some of that. I know they're talking about Ovechkin has if like he plays another six seven years or whatever, he has a chance. But <laughs>
2: it,
0: and and even at his age, I think he still could. Ove, Ovi is well, I might be talking about Ovi soon here, but um, yeah, there's guys that have had potential, but just didn't have the health to to catch Gretzky.
1: Ovechkin's going to get hurt by that. There's going to be a roughly 60 game span around COVID that's going to be missing on his NHL resume that potentially could be roughly 25, 30 goals where he might fall short of Gretzky's goal scoring record because of COVID because he's missing 60 games in his NHL resume.
0: Will Ovi become Yager, And as an old man tour the league, I don't think he wants to, I think he's going to finish in Russia, but he'll caps and his, uh, his hometown team, but.
2: I'm interested that neither of you guys brought up Messier.
1: No way. I've got him as the greatest Vancouver Canuck of all time.
2: I mean, five cups. He won one without Gretzky. Gretzky never won one without Messier. Yeah,
1: yeah. I can't give too much love to those guys up north, but that's actually a pretty compelling argument that I I'd never actually thought of. I, yeah. I'm not.
2: I made it. I was trying to bug one of my buddies who's a big hockey fan, saying that he was better than Gretzky because Gretzky couldn't win without him. But it's uh, it's just interesting that that's how that worked out. I do think. I I would say he's one of the better leaders. I don't think that he's one of the better players, but five cups is difficult to to come by.
0: No, there's guys on that team that have five cups that you can't even remember who they were if you saw their name on a piece of paper. I think that the guys like Messier, yeah, he's a good player. Excuse me while I vomit. Um, But that was just a stack. That was a stacked team. Like that team, again, won regardless of kind of who was there sometimes, right? Gretzky went to L.A., which was, you're here to save this team and build a market.
1: That yeah, wasn't but necessarily the win. Messier won in Edmonton with Ogretzky and in New York.
0: But that New York team was had a lot of good players on it. You it, did, at it they did,
1: but they had one of the three game sevens to win the Cup. Jimmy, you're killing me that I'm having to defend Mark Messier here, you jerk. (laughs) (laughs) But if the Rockies didn't think I had something in my back pocket? Wow, that that actually pains me to say that Messier should probably get more consideration.
0: I'm not going to say that. He ruined my team when he came here.
2: Once again,
1: greatest Vancouver Canuck of all time.
2: Your team was the only team that could lose to the 50-year curse of the New York Rangers and not break the Canadian curse. Yeah. Shut up, Jimmy. <laughs> I apologize. I feel like I'm overstepping my bounds. I should, I should come back. This is my quit. Yep. No, I got it. I'm well fine. done, Jimmy. Well
1: done. You got both yeah. of us mad at you in the first segment of the show. <laughs> well done.
2: Haven't even done studs and duds yet. Woo. Well, yeah. Move, well, moving on from the Messier talk.
0: Yeah. Well, there uh, you have it. <laughs> My greatest of all time. I almost want to break it into the first fifty years of the league and then the rest. And just for the sake of arguing, I, I you know, obviously Gretzky is, you know, the GO, but Gordy Howe, you know, for what he did, and the guy has a hat trick named after him, a goal, assist, and a fight. You know, that that puts you right up there as one of the greats. Gordy Howe. he was seventy. Yeah, the guy, he was one of the toughest players to play too. Just uh an incredible talent like if you want to split it into the greatest of all time and greatest of the two eras even with that you go Gordie Howe, Wayne Gretzky it's a you could toss it up that way but yeah Gretzky's obviously one of the goats Gordie Howe was a close second yeah there's a for me There's a lot of guys that are great players but it, the list uh drops off after probably five before you start really finding that talent again for me it's i i I'm going to go opposite of you, Trevor. I know you talked about far. I'm going to stick with Bino Ovechkin as being the greatest of the era. I just love the way he plays. He goes out there and tries to win every game. And I think to me, it's like, he's playing his last game every night. And to me, that just is an amazing uh, character and a player.
1: Yeah. He's not afraid to get into the dirty areas, throw his weight around, chuck the knuckles, score goals, set up goals. He's kind of the ultimate, utility man in baseball. He does everything. And hard to argue Alex Ovechkin. Um, he hasn't won the Cups that Crosby has, but I was glad that he did win one. He's also got a personality that I think some of the players are, don't have. So uh, yeah. I can't argue Ovechkin that much. Uh, he's He's been great for the league and I'm glad he came over. That's still my favorite
2: highlight is Ovechkin, especially cough, pushing Ovechkin in the back and Ovechkin turning around like I'm going to have to do this and just one punch to the ice. It was, it was beautiful. Best moment of those playoffs by far.
0: Yeah, he, he does it all. And he does it. it it's, he's one of those guys. There's guys in the league that do everything and they do it well. Not good, not, but he does it great. He does everything. He has a full 200 foot game. And that is what, in my opinion, McDavid is lacking. McDavid has a 60 foot game and it's that offensive zone.
1: Okay, so there you have it. We've done our goat talk. Do you guys agree with us? Is there anybody that we're leaving out in goal on the blue line at forwards? You can reach out to us on Twitter at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2, or at 2 for Chirping, or Jimmy at F E O T B pod. So now we're going to get into our, uh, and Jimmy aforementioned the studs and duds. So let's see if he can uh, get us riled up even further. And I'm going to lead off with him. Jimmy, who's your stud this week?
2: Uh, my stud this week is Mark andre Fleury for the 30-saves shutout that he had over the Avs on Sunday night. It's, uh, Nico and I talked about it on Far End of the Bench. It sucked losing, especially in the first game back. But for a goalie to have to, do, have to go 30 saves, and they scored their goal in the second period. So he played the whole third period with a 1-0 lead and was able to hold it against the avalanche pressure. Didn't work out so well for him a couple nights ago. I don't even know if he was in the goal. Might They might've switched back to Laner, but he definitely, no, it played. Of, it was flurry. Yeah. He definitely played out of his mind Sunday night and any goalie who's going to shut out the abs this season deserves a stud of the week. I swear to
0: God, I was this close to muting you when you said Mark.
2: <laughs> well,
1: no, <laughs> um, flew, there, there's flew. a highlight real, he has a highlight real save this week too. And I, I think it might've been against Colorado where the guy deeks him out of his shorts and he sprawls across the goal line, laying out his arm and stops the pocket. It's just like, how many of those saves does that guy have on his resume? Like I've never seen a goalie make so many, well, maybe Dominic Hachik, so many just ridiculous saves. It's, it's incredible. That guy.
2: Yeah. He, uh, that he, he's probably against the avalanche because the avalanche made like four or five guys fall down on the ice between McCarr and McKinnon and, uh, I think even Kadri might have done it to somebody, but it's pretty incredible what he's able to do. Him and him and Jonathan Quick are the two goalies that I see. Where Quick was more of the splits and sliding from one side to the other in the splits, but yeah. Flurry is definitely up there in acrobatic saves for
1: sure. Yeah, they both kind of revolutionized the position where it was more uh, just physical ability and ability to just make ridiculous saves. Uh, my stud of the week and I hate going here because it involves the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I have to give it recognition. And that's Austin Matthews, who as of the time of recording, this had 16 goals in his last 13 games. He has more goals in his last 13 games than the Buffalo Sabres have scored at five on five all year. So he's on pace for a 50 goal season in a 56 game season length. just unbelievable i don't know if there's a better goal scorer in the league right now than austin matthews and i i have to give him some some recognition he's absolutely tearing it up and 16 goals in 13 games is unheard of
0: yeah he they're they're putting a a, a beating to ottawa right now last i saw it was 6-2 and he had two of those uh they uh they scored five against Ottawa the other night as well. And I mean, they lost yeah. the game 6-5, which was beautiful. But after having a 5-1 lead, Austin Matthews is on a tear. Uh, and yeah, I, it will be good if he could get that goal scoring for 56 games. It it doesn't look like he's going to let up. But yeah, let's see if he can stay consistent with that goal scoring. I know uh, his teammate Joe Thornton is ready to hand him all the trophies today uh, coming back from injury.
1: Yeah. You can't, you can't downplay what he's doing though. It's, he might put up 50 goals and that's That's incredible in such a short season. So I went to Austin Matthews as my stud this week. Ken, where are you leaning?
0: Well, I wanted to give the studs of the week to Dustin Brown's kids who said that whenever he shows them highlights of his playing, they say, daddy, why are you so bad at hockey? (laughs) But what I actually went with is uh, Jonathan Huberto from the Florida Panthers the other night, uh, they won the game three two in overtime against Carolina. He had the Panthers' first goal. He had the the game winner in overtime on a on a breakaway. But what really cemented him in this position of stud of the week was his tape to tape spinorama assist on the second goal. That you couldn't have planned it any better. This was. From the middle of his stick to the middle of the goal scorer's stick. Just with a guy right in front of him. It was such a beauty of a pass. That there was, I saw that assist and I'm like stud of the week. Then I saw that he had opened the scoring and won it later on. And I was just like, yeah, you can't go wrong with that one.
1: Yeah, Jonathan Huberto is one of the best NHL players that nobody knows of because he plays for the Florida Panthers. Uh, him and Barkov make an absolutely incredible one-two punch. They've got the Panthers in first place in the Central Division right now. It, it's really too bad that such a great talent is playing in that market, and nobody knows who he is outside of diehard hockey fans. It's it, it's almost a travesty, in my opinion. Jonathan Huberdeau is an unbelievably good hockey player. Yeah. So now we've got the niceties of the week out of the way. Let's get into the good stuff and some of our duds. Uh, Ken, why don't you lead us off right away?
0: Uh, Well, I'm going to give the Vegas Golden Knights creative team the, the week off based on their equipment choices. But my dud of the week, dud of the decade, whatever you want to call it, Alex Galchenyuk, now of the Toronto Maple Leafs, formerly of the Carolina Hurricanes, Ottawa Senators, Minnesota Wild, Pittsburgh Penguins, and Montreal Canadiens. Did I get them all? I think you're missing one in there. Arizona, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. He didn't last 48 hours with the Carolina Hurricanes. Ottawa dealt him earlier in the week to Carolina. Carolina put him on waivers, cleared waivers for Toronto to give up a former first-round pick of theirs and someone else, two players, to bring him to the team. Now, this is a guy who was drafted third overall in 2012. That being said, that whole draft is a dud. Absolute bust. That's the Nail Yakupov first overall. Yeah, looking overall
1: at year. you, Yakupov.
0: Just, like, Alex Galchenyuk is Neil Yakupov, just still in the NHL. Uh, this guy, I don't know how much more he's got in the NHL, but, man, his career is just a dud and I I read a story today that he was brought into Toronto because they feel that the Jimmy Vesey experiment is over now if you're Jimmy Vesey and you read that story (laughs) how do you feel because you were highly touted coming out of the NCAA and now your your replacement is Alex Gelchenyuk. enjoy Jimmy not you Jimmy but Jimmy Jimmy, Vesey Vesey, yeah
1: yeah I think gelchenyuk has been four different teams in roughly a year like he was a highly touted prospect, third overall pick, I believe, was Montreal Canadiens. Had one or two good seasons, and then it's just been downhill.
2: Uh, he played pretty well with me in my my career in NHL. Uh, I think that was eighteen when he was on Pittsburgh. I played. <laughs> he was on my line, but other than that, he hasn't had a great go at things.
0: No, I, well, I called Oh, sorry, I called Jake Fortana the luckiest guy in the league. I, I, I mean, maybe with the Canucks. That he's only been with one team, but Alex Galchunyuk has got to be the luckiest guy to still be in the league. This guy is just, I don't know, seven teams in nine years. That's horrendous. It's almost Taylor Hall-like numbers.
1: Okay, Jimmy, which way did you want to go on your dud?
2: Honestly, I wasn't able to get to a ton of hockey this week. I watched the Avalanche and analyzed that. Uh, and then I watched a little bit of the Bruins and the Flyers because I'm writing a blog for the website uh, for Saturday. So my dud is actually going to be uh, Stevie Weeks from Mystery Alaska because he was just fast, didn't have anything else. And, uh, you know, he he really wasn't a two-way player. He was the guy that if he was out in front of everybody, he was an asset, much better on the pond than in the rink. His speed got cut off when you put him in a rink.
1: Well, here, we'll throw one in for you, and that's going to be the Vegas Golden Knights gold helmets from last week. My God, those are hideous. What are they thinking?
2: I don't know. I was more of a gold member fan than anything, so I like the the chrome out gold.
1: Oh, <laughs> the fact they've worn them twice now, it's oh. embarrassing.
0: Yeah, they are. Uh, they're
2: horrible. They're just absolutely the horrible. Must wear I mean, sunglasses they just, to make it, sure that they don't get glare. <laughs> uh,
0: it just to me, it's it. Uh, I don't know if I'm just being old man yelling at the sun or cloud right now, but to me, it cheapens the look of the league. I don't know if that's just an old school way of thinking, but I don't know. It just looks like parlor tricks to me.
1: Well, I'm going to wrap up our uh, studs and duds segment with my dud this week. And I got to go with a group of forwards that play for the Buffalo Sabres. You've got Jack Eichel making $10 million. He scored two goals this year. Jeff Skinner making $9 million. He has scored no goals this year. Taylor Hall, making $8 million, has scored one goal this year. Kyle Ocposo, making $6 million, has scored no goals this year. And Sam Reinhart, making the least of them all at $5.2 million, has scored the most at three goals. $38.2 million the Buffalo Sabres have spent, so pretty much half their cap, and they've gotten six goals and 28 points this season that's an absolute tire fire right now. Taylor Hall went there to prove his worth. He's doing absolutely nothing. Jack Eichel is still in one of my opinion one of the the could be one of the best players in the league not producing anything. Jeff Skinner had a couple of good years a couple of years ago. Nothing. Like what a disaster that has become and I don't know how some of these guys are signed long term. I don't know what Buffalo's going to do. Uh, it's actually going to come up in our around the board segment with some Jack Eichel talk. To me, it's, it's clear. These guys are duds, 38 million, six goals. It's terrible.
2: No, it's making me feel a lot better. Cause Nico and I were pretty upset when Taylor Hall tro- chose uh, Buffalo over Colorado when he was going to free agency and now seeing what he's been able to produce. I'm not, not too upset by it anymore.
0: No, I, I put Buffalo, I had Buffalo finishing second to last in the East behind the Devils, and the Devils are actually outpacing the the Sabers by a lot right now in their play. I, I didn't think Taylor Hall was going to do anything to help the Buffalo Sabers. Um, yeah, I, I you, dude, you that's a big one there, Trevor. I figured someone would grab that one. That's why I didn't uh, didn't do it. But I saw that, that same number today, and I was just like, "You got to be kidding me! This is just horrendous." It's
1: I just I don't know where that organization goes from here. They've, uh, they've tried bringing in players to surround Eichel. They've brought in new coaches, new GMs. It, it's going to come up in the next segment. And, and uh, the, the Sabres, what a dud. It, it can't, be, can't be any more clear than that.
2: No, we finished that one with a pretty big dud. We're going to go to a quick break, listen to some messages from our partners here on the Unhinged Sports Network, Fanatics, Lids in Canada, and Fubo TV. And then we'll be back. And we'll go around the boards. And then we got everybody's favorite, new favorite segment, Ask the Unhinged Experts. Um, and we'll also be on ColorCast for the second half of this show. So if you listened live, uh, be sure to, to check it back out again. See if you still agree with anything, with everything that we said. But we're going to go to a quick break. You're listening to Two for Chirping here on the Unhinged Sports Network. What's up, bench warmers of the Unhinged Sports Network? Jimmy Pilato Nico Bryant. And we got some more things to talk to you about because, yes, you can't get anything for Christmas at this point on Fanatics. But it doesn't mean that it's too late to go get your favorite sports fan a new thing to add to his add to his collection. Whatever you want, jerseys, shirts, coasters. I'm pretty sure I saw stickers on there. You, you can still get anything. Through the link in our bio for Fanatics, it helps out the Unhinged Sports Network as a whole.
1: There is a lot of good stuff. I mean, the SEC championship gear, ACC championship gear, Big and team. by this time you'll probably still be listening to. You'll maybe see national championship gear, Rose Bowl gear, whatever it may be. Anything you want,
2: literally, literally anything, and you'll you can find it on Fanatics, man. Use the link. Make sure to hit the link in our link tree. Um, that's in all of our bios, man. Because all that stuff is going to be fantastic. Got to use the link, though. Have to use the link. At fbotb Pod, all social. Medias, they'll get you some new stuff from fanatics, help out the unnamed sports
1: network. Thanks, guys.
0: Hey everyone, it's Ken
1: and Trevor from the Bleacher Connection.
0: Make sure to tune into our show every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, to hear us talk hockey baseball, CFL, and everything in between.
1: Tune in weekly to our That's Offside segment as we discuss controversial topics from the week that was in sports.
0: The Bleacher Connection, a proud part of the Unhinged Sports Network.
1: What's
2: up, benchwarmers of the Unhinged Sports Network? We got another thing to to get to because you know nobody likes dealing with cable companies in 2020. And here at the Unhinged Sports Network, we wanted to cater to you guys to go into the new age, cut your cable cords with FuboTV. We have a new link, a new partnership, You can go to the link in our bio and if you sign up for a subscription through that link, you will kick back a little bit of money to the Unhinged Sports Network so we can continue to bring great content all across this platform. And we got big things coming up in 2021. So you're going to have to to get in on this, and we're helping you out in the process. Yeah, make make your life easier, man. No one
1: likes dealing with cable companies. You don't get half the channels. Um, sometimes there's blackouts. That's not present with Fubo. You can get whatever you want. I can watch Sunday Night Football with no sweat. I can watch th- or T- or I can watch basketball on TNT anytime I want. Um, get, be sure to use Fubo, man. I'm definitely going to be using it. I hate paying for cable, so I'm going to be using that right right now as we speak. If we're being honest. And I want
2: to make sure to get on that deal. So now it's your turn to do the same. Help out the Unhinged Sports Network. Cut your cable cord. Come into the digital age. Thanks, guys. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Unhinged Sports Network, exclusive home for Hockey Talk, two for chirping, with Ken and Trevor from the Bleacher Connection, and then myself, Jimmy Pilato, from the Far End of the Bench podcast. Thank you, guys. For tuning in and now listening on uh, Colorcast as well, because we are live on the Colorcast app. We got Around the Boards to get to, and then we'll get to our uh, new segment, Ask the Unhinged Experts, but there's plenty to talk about with the Around the Boards. So, Trevor, why don't you start off with our first uh, news story from the past week, and then we can uh, continue with
1: that? Well, we're about a quarter way through the season for most teams. Uh, the Dallas Stars may be a little bit behind that. Um, we kind of want to have a look at who have some of the surprises been, you know, both good and bad. So for me, I think one of the biggest surprises in the entire league, and I brought this up last week and the week before is the Chicago Blackhawks. We were absolutely roasting them at the beginning of the year and questioning how many games they'd win and what direction they were going in. And lo and behold, they are sitting second in the central division, with a nine five and four record they're getting outstanding goaltending from some of their youngsters their uh their young guys are scoring Patrick Kane is doing what he does fourth in the league in points they're doing it without Jonathan Taves it's to me it's one of the better stories in the NHL so I got to give some kudos out to the Chicago Blackhawks right now
0: I'm surprised you didn't uh Mentioned the Montreal Canadiens considering of how where you had them picked in the North, but
1: oh, I may have them on my list still.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think Chicago, honestly, I mean, let's face it, when we had Preston on, we did an over under on if they'd get to 10 wins. And I think, uh, Jimmy, you went under, and I think, uh, most of us went no more than 15, and they, they're already well, Jimmy, they're one win away from proving you wrong. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I we talked about it that week because I went. Undefeated the first week of picks, and then O for the second week when we were doing the pickums. I really don't know what I'm talking about. I just say things with confidence, and people take me for my word. So, yeah, I don't think you're
1: that far off base with the Chicago yeah. Blackhawks. We all were roasting them as how bad they were going to be, like worse than the Red Wings bad, and they're making us look bad. So good on them. You know, maybe yeah. that maybe knocking Edmonton out in the playing round last year wasn't such a fluke after all
0: they still got talented players. Like that's you got you gotta give them that. It's just their goaltending was such a question. And to be fair, will those two guys keep it up? Who knows? It's still a big question in my in my eyes when I look at that is will their goaltending continue to be as stellar as it has been? So but yeah, they are definitely a surprise in my opinion for or I agree with you there, like very surprising.
1: Ken what's one uh, what of your biggest surprises so far this season?
0: Uh, well, one of them that I have is I think you know you and I both had and I mean, I had my, Toronto finishing fifth. Uh, they're they're proving me wrong right now with a 12 and three record. Uh, we'll see if they can maintain it. They, they're leaning heavily on Frederick Anderson. Uh, they have benefited from playing Ottawa quite a few times to start the season. Uh, we'll see. They did, did blow a 5-1 lead against Ottawa, which was very nice to see. But also, I think for me, Ottawa has been a surprise with just how bad that they uh, they have been. I did have them at seven. That number didn't change for me with where I thought they were going to be. But I thought they'd be a lot more competitive than they are. And they are just they're horrendous. They are not good. And that team has a lot of things they need to work on and fix.
1: Yeah. They can't keep the puck out of their net. And you thought Matt Murray coming in might fix that. And apparently isn't happening. Uh, Hogberg is God awful. Like there's a few highlights against a few games against the Oilers this year, where he is so far out of position where he's literally giving up half a net to shoot at. And I don't know what that team's going to do. We talked about them last week. The ownership is a a huge problem with Eugene Melnick. I thought Ottawa was going to be better. I actually ranked them ahead of a team in the Canadian division that may or may not go unnamed. Um, I don't understand. I really don't. There's a huge, huge problem. And we discussed that they may not even be there in five years. So, you're not that's not a stretch they are a surprise but for a bad reason and i don't think it's because of like we didn't think they were going to be bad it's they're really bad
0: they got a minus 30 goal difference they've given up 71 they've only scored 41 goals in 18 games you're you're not going to win
1: no it's it's not good that's comically bad that's almost funny at that point No, the Maple Leafs losing uh, or blowing a 5-1 lead to that team is comically in the, funny in, in the, the third, third period. Well, yeah.
2: that that kind of segues into my surprise. I didn't think that Toronto would be number one in the Canadian division. I put Winnipeg and I believe I put Vancouver up there just because of the way they finished in the playoffs last year. I thought they were uh, going to continue that momentum. I did not see Toronto being the, the top in – They have 28 points on the season so far. I I believe that's the most of the team. Yeah, that is the most points in the league right now. I didn't think that they would be, I think they could have fought for fourth. I didn't think, see them being in first place. That's for sure. Especially, I mean, I know it's early on in the season, but we're a quarter of the way through. It doesn't make sense.
1: I I wasn't surprised by the Leafs. I did pick them to win the North division. I'm surprised that they're almost running away with it though. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie about that. I didn't. I thought it'd be a lot closer. I still think maybe the Jets and Canadians might be able to give them a run and tighten things up, but the Leafs are running away with it right now, and it's that to me that's a shock.
0: With the way the schedule is, though, I mean the Canucks and Flames are tied with 17 points at five and sixth in the division. A four-game series against the Leafs—if you can sweep that—you're one point behind them. You're you're right there you have the ability to, to potentially catch up that ground real quick in a week. That's what this schedule is going to do is you have a lead now.
1: Yeah.
0: You better do everything you can to keep it because those teams behind you can catch you. There is no games that have no meaning in this season. They all have meaning because you're only playing within your division. So that lead is, can be caught and it is possible to happen. A team goes on a run and it it could get interesting real quick.
1: Another major surprise that I have in the league for, for good reasons is the Florida Panthers and they are exhibit a of what good coaching can bring you. You've got, I believe Joel Quenville there now is their head yeah. coach and he is absolutely right at that chip. They're 10, two and two first place in the central division ahead of the likes of Tampa Bay and Carolina. And I'm going to take it back to the coaching and I'm going to reach, I am going to take it to my Calgary flames. This shows you what a good coach and a, a legit coach can do. I've got my team flailing away, barely doing anything. People questioning the head coach like crazy with a very talented roster. And then I look at a team like the Florida Panthers, who I don't think are really much more talented top to bottom who do have a good coach and they're, they're miles ahead of where my team is. So I have to give the props to the Florida Panthers and uh, Jonathan Huberdeau and Barkov. Those guys are superstars. Yeah, And, and well, it's not Bobrovsky doing it either.
0: Well, that's why I was going to say both goalies have an identical 5-1-1 one, one record. So they're getting that 10 goal everybody wants in this season. Last week, we talked about the point system in the NHL and how should it be. Well here's a perfect example where they've played Florida's played 14 games, have a 10-2 and 2 record for 22 points. Chicago has played 18 games, they're 9-5 and 4 and have 22 points. Tampa Bay and Carolina all both have 10-3 and 1 records and are 1 point behind Chicago and Florida. So this is a perfect example of teams that more so win in regulation not being rewarded for it and are now, like you look at it, Columbus and Dallas have four uh, OT losses as well. And that's keeping them in that race. So this is where, when we talked about it last week, I think this is where the three-point games absolutely need to come in so that those teams that are winning in regulation are rewarded more so. Because right now, Tampa, Carolina, and Florida potentially should have 30 points or more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy, was there any other surprise teams for you to start off the year?
2: Uh, I was going to be Minnesota, but they've fallen way back down to earth. Um, other than that, there really isn't too many surprises. I think that the, uh, the one thing I will say is that I was a little bit more surprised that the avalanche took so long to kind of gel. I thought they would maybe be able to hit the ground running, but it took a second. Other than that, there's really not too much um, – other than, you know, like I said, Toronto being in the top of the Canadian division, nothing else is really surprising to me.
1: Actually, one surprise story that I want to talk about, and that that's just the overall league leaders in points. I was shocked when I saw this going on to air the, for this show. Seven of the eight leading scorers in the NHL reside in the North Division. And actually 13 of the top 25 scorers in the league are play in the North Canadian division that's goals are a plenty in, in this division. And it's insane. I, I just thought that was a very unique stat.
0: Yeah. Well, to, to Jimmy, to your point about the avalanche gelling, like you guys had that break with the COVID and such, and I don't know what the rules are if the players who aren't in protocol can still practice or if everyone has to stay away. And I'm not going to use an excuse cause I don't like it when teams do, but the Canucks have played 20 games and leading up to the series against Calgary, they actually had two days off after they played Toronto that allowed them an actual travel day and a day to go home and practice up until that point. They had only had four practices all year long. So if teams aren't having that opportunity to, to get together in practice and figure out their lines, it's going to take some time to gel. And I'm wondering if a lot of teams are suffering from the lack of practice to work out some of the small kinks before they turn into big dents.
2: Yeah. I think that's something we talked about early on in this show too, was who was going to be able, you kind of wanted to have a roster that had been around each other. It's what they were saying in the NFL and the MLB too. If guys have been around and know the structure of the team that they're playing for, it's going to be a lot smoother transition than bringing in a big free agent or a couple free agents in an off season where you can't see each other it's going to cause some other difficulties that you don't normally deal with. Yeah.
0: One, one of the surprises I have, and I know they've only played 10 games. I think they came back tonight. Uh, that's the New Jersey devils. I had them finishing below Buffalo. Buffalo was currently in eighth spot with New Jersey's in, in sixth spot ahead of both of the uh, Rangers and Sabres. They've only played 10 games, but in all honesty, in those 10 games, they're five, three and two, and probably, four games better than I thought they would be right now.
1: Yeah. And, and as we had talked about, I think it was on Bleacher Connection, Jack Hughes is being a potential uh, breakout player this year after last year, and he's actually playing actually very well. So that's kind that's- of exciting for Devils fans and for the league. Well, you mentioned
0: Jack Hughes and I just want to quickly say, I don't know if we're going to get to, to this, but lately the first overall picks in the league aren't panning out right away. And I don't know if bringing them in because uh, a, a surprise, Alex, Alexi Lafreniere, one goal in 14 games. This guy was supposed to be a stud coming out and just tearing the league apart. I think, I think the days of throwing your number first overall pick into the lion's den right away may have to go away. Cause these guys aren't benefiting from it.
1: No, it, even like you got Capo Caco number two last year, Lafreniere number one this year, Hughes, um, e- e- Nico Heister like none of these guys came and tore up the league the last one that did was Connor McDavid
0: Nolan Patrick
1: and Nolan Patrick absolutely
0: a lot of these high picks aren't flying off the pages like they used to and maybe it's time they go back and spend a year in the AHL and learn the, the adult game the men's game
1: so moving on from some of our surprises of the season we're going to get to what I think is the NHL's marquee event of the season And that's the two outdoor games being played this weekend at Lake Tahoe. I saw a picture of the rink with the background earlier today. Oh my goodness. Like that, that is just a beautiful setting. Absolutely amazing. This is a unique event for the NHL and I hope it leads to some other events like this. Jimmy, I know you've written a couple of blogs on this, on the website. Why don't you, why don't you take it? What's, What's your take on Lake Tahoe?
2: Uh, lake Tahoe. It's interesting because we've had the outdoor games with the winter classic going back when the NHL first brought those back, but Lake Tahoe is different because it's not in a stadium. It's in a rink that was built in a place that a rink doesn't go. I, it would be cool if they were playing on the ice, that would be on the lake, but they're getting to play. I mentioned mystery Alaska before. That's basically what they're doing. they, put up a, a stadium, a rink, no lights. So they're playing in the middle of the day. It's not like normal where it's primetime TV. It's going to be pretty early on in the day. And we're going to get to see, I think, uh, I'm honestly not sure about Philadelphia, but three of the four top teams in the league play outdoors. I know Vegas and, and Colorado going to be battling for the the West division all throughout the year. And then uh, Boston's. you know, they come back and, all of a sudden they're the best team in hockey once the profession line is able to get back fully healthy. It's uh, this weekend is huge. That's why there's two blogs about it on the unhinged website, unhinged sn.com. You can go check out We're we're putting out two blogs a day moving forward. That's, that's the goal. And maybe even more than that, but it's like you said, it's a marquee event. It's the biggest event for the NHL this year. If they're going to be able to make up money anywhere, it'd be this weekend. And, and I think that it's going to be a great weekend of
1: hockey. The Avalanche Golden Knights game has all the makings to be the best game of the regular season with it's probably got the most hype because it's outdoors. It's got two of the best teams in the league. I think this has the makings to be a classic and I am definitely looking forward to checking out this game on the weekend. Uh, It's a little disappointing that Philadelphia is ravaged by uh, the COVID list. Pretty much they're setting no star power Giroux. Voracek aren't going so that, that takes away from it a little bit but I'm definitely looking forward to this and I hope it's a success and I hope it's a financial success and the NHL looks at it and goes huh maybe we can do this in other places even without fans if they can make enough money doing it. Well
0: I know I'll be at work on Saturday when that one's going on so I'll actually PVR because my Canucks aren't playing Saturday night so it'll give me something to watch when I, uh, when I get home but I saw the picture and the one thing I really hoped that they didn't put anything up. And I know you mentioned, Jimmy, they're not playing without lights to playing in the day. I actually just saw a little bit before we started that they're moving the start time earlier yeah. to avoid it being too sunny, which is a great thing to, to, to see what I would have. and I'm not trying to say anything looks bad. What I would have liked to see is maybe a little more snow around the rink to give it that real winter. Cause it looked like it didn't have too much snow there. Looked a little, uh, you know, less than wintry, but that was, I was a little worried when I saw the pictures of the two tents they put up that looked like, and they're calling them chalets. And I read into what they actually are. And one's for, they're going to have the GMs in one. I think they're going to have their own areas, maybe probably cordoned off, but the GMs, and the other one's going to be for officials and a medical tent, all that kind of thing. So I, I was okay with that. Cause I really wanted it to be in my, what I heard about this game saw the kind of initial setup was just, just a game put the cameras out there and just nothing else, the game in the middle of nowhere in this pristine setting. And I'm kind of glad that they did that. I get the need to have those two chalets, the tents set up uh, at ringside for the officials and the GMs. And I'm glad they're not for fans. Cause I was really worried that that's what it was going to be for like VIP type thing. I think this is a great idea and I hope that it is a huge success.
1: Go ahead,
2: Jimmy. I was just going to throw in the – we were talking about the hype that the Avs-Knights game has. Throw in the fact that they this is the third meeting of the week and they split the first two meetings both by one goal. Um, so that's even more – and I think the Knights probably have a sour taste in their mouth because they let Nazem Kadri get the game winner with like 40 seconds left in the third period. So <laughs> there's going to be – We're starting to get to the point of the season that we talked about where they've played each other so many times, they're just going to be sick of playing each other and it's going to be even more physical. So there's the rivalries are starting to brew a little bit during the season.
0: I think the only thing that could potentially ruin that game is those damn C3PO helmets. I I hope they are not used, especially with the sun. I mean a great tactic, but I don't know who you're going to blind more, the avalanche or your own teammates looking for a pass.
2: I don't think they can wear those gold helmets. I'm pretty sure they're wearing, both teams are wearing the reverse retro. So the we're ah, gonna nice. Avalanche North and then the reverse retro of a team who was started three years ago. So <laughs> I don't think that they can wear the gold helmet with the red jersey. It just, even a blind blind person would be like, that's too much. That's, we got to take, take about five to 10% off here.
0: Yeah, you're not making the GQ cover with that get up.
1: What I hope the NHL does is I hope they capture the elements with some unique camera angles. Because I think if you have the camera on the one side of the ice looking out over the lake and, and the mountain in the background, you could get some absolutely visually stunning settings from this and maybe draw in some fans that you otherwise wouldn't and get some viewership. So I really hope the NHL has put that kind of thought into it and make this visually look like what it should be.
0: I meant to send it to you guys earlier I did see a picture from someone who was there uh, for work covering the game and such and they they managed to get up the tower of the primary camera and it is it does look a little bit higher and a little bit further away. So from when I think it was uh, I think she was taking the photo from her phone so obviously it's a different perspective we'll get from a camera, but it does look out and it is going to be the primary camera angle. So you'll get to see the lake and everything in that sense. If I can find it again, I'll, I'll send it to you guys in a message and I'll put it on, on my, uh, Twitter feed as well.
1: There We can put it a two for in Twitter feed. Yeah. So we mentioned this in my dud portion of, of the show and that's to do with the Buffalo Sabres. And I, I specifically want to talk about Jack Eichel. Uh, it came out today on a Canadian radio broadcast that Jack Eichel is potentially available for trade. He's a number two overall pick behind Conor McDavid. David uh, supposedly a generational talent. He's struggling a little bit this year. He's, he plays on a bad team. He's clearly unhappy. He's said as much over the last few years, my question to you guys and Ken, I'll throw it to you first. Would you take Jack Eichel on your team?
0: No. And that, that is a very quick answer. And to me, Jack Eichel, there was a time he was talked about going ahead of Connor McDavid in that draft. And and I don't know if that was Buffalo realizing they weren't gonna get Connor McDavid so that they were making those comments, but there was there was a conversation pre-draft that was it gonna be McDavid or what is it gonna be Eichel? Jack Eichel, yes, he's played on a bad team, but he's done nothing as a generational player to make that team better. He's had two coaches. And two GMs fired because he didn't like them. To me, Jack Eichel is a me guy, not a team guy. I I wouldn't want Jack Eichel to come into the Canucks dressing room because what is that going to do for any kind of chemistry? Is he going to walk in there and and I and I when I say this, I'm not saying that Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes. Brock Besser, any of those guys are ahead talent-wise of Jack Eichel. But will Jack Eichel stand for being so, having someone else taking away the spotlight? That's why I didn't think it would work with Taylor Hall. right? And you and I had a conversation on, on, on the Bleacher Connection about how is that chemistry going to work? A lot of guys are unhappy with losing there. He has been a guy that I don't think has done anything to help step up and be the difference. I would not take him in on my Canucks for that reason. I don't think he is a good fit chemistry-wise. He really hasn't been offensively generational like some of the other players that have come up around him in even in that draft. I, I don't think he's good. I don't think he's as good as advertised.
2: Yeah, that's... It, it all comes down to like talent's great, but the shortened season and having to build chemistry with guys that were already on the team. And then you want to go ahead and make a trade. And we talked about if it's from a Canadian team to an American team and how difficult that whole situation is, it doesn't really matter wherever you get traded to, you're not going to have the time to put in and become a member of the team. And for a guy who doesn't want to do that anyways, that's doesn't really make any sense for a GM to, to try and do this. He's more of a, a team cancer than anything, and he's he's the guy that they're trying to build the team around, and now he's going to get traded, and he's going to go and either get kicked out of the league because nobody's going to put up with it or just continue to, to take away from teams that he ends up getting put on because they see the talent, but they're not going to take into account the fact that his teammates probably don't like to play with him. The fans aren't going to want to watch him on the ice, and he's not going to want to be there unless they're winning Stanley Cups every single year.
1: Well, I'm going to go in a complete different direction than you guys on this. And I 100% would trade for the guy. He's, he's a generational talent, not quite as good as McDavid, obviously. He's got 40 goal potential. He's a big body, true number one center in the league. He's got skill out the wazoo. His attitude, I think does stink, but let's face it. Look at who he's gotten to play with. Look at the teams he's played on. Like, There's even talk that Connor McDavid a few years back was like, get me out of Edmonton. So can you blame him for playing on perpetually bad teams? If I'm Brad Chaliving of the Calgary Flames, I am doing whatever it takes to make this trade happen. And if it means trading away uh, Sean Sean Monahan, plus, plus, plus scenario to get a guy, a generational talent like Jack Eichel, I am 100% on that train and would take him on my team in a heartbeat he's he's a true number one center and there's not a lot of them out there
0: so you you said he has the potential to be a 40 goal scorer in his time in, in his career he's only scored more than 30 once and that was in 2019 2020 in 68 games he had 36 so average that's at, 40 you know, goal yeah yeah you'll we'll give him 40 goals there before that 77 games, 28, 67, 25, 61, 24. Rookie year, he had 24. He's a minus 68. He's played three games less than Connor McDavid and has 348 points. Not horrible. Yes, that's almost a point of a game player. But again, it just goes to that minus 68. Good players make others around them better. And from the moment, and I, I... Buffalo Sabers have been bad for a long time, and the ownership pumped this guy up to be the guy, and I think bent the knee to his every whim when it came to it. Right, a little Game of Thrones reference for you. Yeah, I just, just finished, finished watching
1: it. that a couple of days ago. Yeah,
0: so <laughs> they did whatever he wanted, and that's where I think he has got such a big head around him. But he hasn't really done anything. He doesn't make the guys around him better, so. Is he gonna play with a a Goudreau and make him better or is or is Jack Eichel gonna go out there and try and just do it for Jack Eichel? I don't know. I, I it's tough. If he was on a better team, maybe he is in the conversation with McDavid and it would have been a, wow that you really could have gone either either way and it would have worked, but I don't know, just some of the stuff that comes out of Buffalo, it's he's part of that losing culture. Yeah, right? Ryan O'Reilly didn't like it and he got out of there, how much of it was maybe Jack Eichel just wanting the spotlight and not caring about the wins and losses and just, I want my money, I want my stats. It would be interesting to talk to some of the former players that were there in that time with him.
1: Yeah, I think the guy's definitely got a bad rap. I think some of it's deserved, some of it maybe not so much. I honestly think he's tired of losing, and I think he could go for a new – a change of scenery. So I, to be honest, would not be surprised to see – maybe not this year. I think Jimmy brought up a really good point about the trade happening this year, but this off season, I could definitely see a Jack Eichel trade and I'm selfishly going to say, I could honestly see the Calgary flames being that trade partner. I think you've got two teams kind of struggling to find their identity. They might be able to come together. So uh, I, I would take him and I think, but I do think he will get moved this season or this off season for sure.
0: Yeah, I. It's a tough one. A lot of times you get good players, great players that are on a bad team, and they'll adjust their game to try and find ways to win. I just don't see that out of them. It just it's a lot of the, yeah. Well, we're losing. Well, what are you doing to trying to fix that? It's no different. Like if McDavid said that as well in Edmonton, that maybe shouldn't have signed a twelve-year deal.
1: Yeah. So, there you have it. We've got our Around the Boards this week. What'd you guys think? We'd love to hear from you on Twitter. We're all very active Ken and I at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2, where we have the shared account at 2 for Chirping. And we've got Jimmy at F E O T B pod, far end of the bench. So, we're going to move into our last segment, and that is our Ask the Unhinged panel. Guys, do we have any questions that have come in from Colorcast?
2: Not quite. We're, uh, we're going to go with some of the ones that we do have prepared first. Um, so let, let's let just start here. Well, let's let's go with who is the most annoying fan base in the NHL? This will be an interesting one because you guys go after each other's teams quite a bit. But I actually do want to see, because uh, I, I obviously, everybody knows, mine is Boston. So who is your guys' most annoying fan base in the NHL?
1: Take it away, Ken.
0: Well, I think I mean again, this is a, a Canadian side of thing. You can probably go different directions depending on where you are. Toronto fan base is, and when I say for myself, when we say annoying and things like that, these are all passionate fan bases. Everyone's very passionate about their team. So, but sometimes, the, just the Toronto you win a game and you go to game one, they're winning the cup. This They act like they've won the cup 17 times in the last 10 years. And all they've won is getting knocked out in the first round or a play-in round. It's a T te- they, they act like they run the league, they've dominated the league, but they haven't won anything. So I think for me, they're one of the most annoying fan bases for that. They're again, passionate, but it gets old when you keep hearing how great they are, how great they are year in year out when they don't win anything. And it's the same. I, I, I find, and I'll say it, I find my Vancouver Canucks uh, Twitter and fan base can be a little bit much at times because everything's a tire fire and everyone needs to get fired and everyone needs to get traded when they're not playing well. Well, again, face it, everyone that's calling for that would probably trip coming off the bench in warmups. it's, Again, passion is one thing, but being realistic is another. Again, these guys are professional athletes, I think. But as a Canadian, seeing it on Twitter a lot, it is uh, gotta, Toronto has got to be leading that for me.
1: I'm going to take this in a couple directions, and I'm going to do a north of the border and south of the border, because I do think it is slightly different uh, fan bases, and north of the border, 100%, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ken hit on all the points. They haven't won anything, yet they're talked about like they've won everything. And I want to touch on Ken's point a little bit further about some of the the local Twitter bases. We follow a lot of uh, hockey Twitter, different teams, and their fan bases. And I don't know if it's like this with teams like the Colorado Avalanche, but locally, it's unbelievable how crazy some of these fans are. And it literally changes period by period by period, game by game by game, fire him, trade him, sign him, extend him, trade him, bums, fire the coach, fire the GM. I'm tired of it. I really am. Like, can't we just sit back and enjoy hockey as a fan base and as hockey fans? So I don't know if you guys have it like that with like the Colorado Avalanche, Jimmy, but up here it's, it's been an eye opener this season, especially I see it from every Canadian team, uh, cells of the border. I'm with you. The Boston Bruins mad. Oh, mad. They're arrogant and it pains me because they have every, they have every right to be They're The best team, one of the best teams in the league. They've recently won championships. They've won championships in every sport. It be at football, ba- basketball, baseball, hockey. It's, It's painful because they can do it and they know they can. And that's what I struggle with is they, they just, ah, they drive that knife in all the time.
2: Yeah. You guys were the ones who brought Jim on who uh, Jim's great, great person, great personality on the network. He's obviously the commissioner of the network, but every single time he said 36 championships, it just dug a little bit deeper into my soul. It was almost like he was pinching me every single time he did it. Uh, and to answer your question about the fan base since in Colorado, I'm one of those fans that, especially when it's playoff time, I am wholesale. Everybody needs to go. It's mainly Bednar. Bednar takes, <laughs> Bednar takes the run of my uh, frustration. After they lost to the Dallas Stars, Nico likes to bring this up a lot. I did say that they needed to fire Sackick and Bednar. Um, so I, I, I err on the little bit more passionate side. I say things before I speak, um, but I it would... It's not about any other team other than my own. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, I was interested Neither of you guys said Edmonton, because I know there was one point where we were having a conversation and one of you brought up the fact that Edmonton, I know you live in, in Edmonton, but the Oilers are, everybody talks about the Oilers and that's all they, all they'll talk about. And really the Oilers fall in that category, just like the Maple Leafs. What have you done in the past 50 years?
0: Yeah. Talking to, and you're right. And, Toronto is just that a little bit more ahead than Edmonton, but Edmonton is, again, very passionate about their team. But the problem is they like to go back and discuss about their cups from the 90s. It's like, well, that's kind of a long time ago. 80s. 80s, sorry, 80s, 80s. But it's like you're kind of past that. It's been a while. Let it go. So it uh yeah the talking to an oilers fan can because it is always about the past they don't want to talk about right now where it took their rebuild technically i'd say is still going on cuz they don't have all the pieces they need to be a complete team they've had four they had four first overall picks in 6 years and they were the greatest team ever they were doing it right no your team was trash and finished dead last the league had to make a change to the draft lottery rules because of you teams that were bad and should have been picking first second third lost out because of the rule that was implemented because you kept losing so yeah the Oilers fan base can be a bit much at times and asking all of them really if you it depends on who you ask but yeah I don't think there's ever a contention. Uh, they sound a
2: lot like base. the. Uh, they sound a lot like the Dallas Cowboy fan base where they talk about the three Cow- the three Super Bowls they won in the 90s but <laughs> Nothing ever happened after 1995. That's when the world stopped spinning. And that's the last time Cowboys were the last Super Bowl champion in any of their minds. So I, I understand that. Uh, I,
1: I used to have a lot of disdain for the Edmonton Oilers fan base, but I've actually kind of taken it upon myself to follow quite a few of them on Twitter. And with the Battle of Alberta having heated up a lot last year, the Twitter banter heated up as well. But actually some of it is kind of fun. So I'm going to give them a little bit of credit, like some of the, the Kachuk turtle jokes and whatever, that that was pretty creative. And I'm going to give them a little bit of props. We throw it right back at them. like It's part of what makes the rivalry so much fun is that we? it's so easy to communicate with both fan bases so readily that I don't quite have the disdain that I did before, but it's because I, I've, I'm allowing myself to actually enjoy the battle a lot more than I used to. It was more, I and hate them. And I hope they, they lose every game. Now it's kind of like, yeah, that was pretty creative. Got to give them some props.
0: Well, you can still uh, hope they lose every game. Cause
1: well, I do hope they lose every game, but they, they, they do have some pretty good uh, there's some pretty good follows of theirs on Twitter. So.
2: I feel like there's good eggs in every single fan base and, And that's something Uh, first question now from coming from the color cast Seattle, whenever the expansion does happen, Seattle, the Krakens are going to be the next team in the NHL. Uh, And with the night golden Knights, having as much success as they've had in the four years, four or five years that they've been a franchise, what are your guys' expectations for this expansion team in Seattle? Do, are we expecting the same kind of success that Vegas had or Are they maybe going to be a little bit more like normal expansion teams and struggle to kind of build themselves up?
1: I personally think they're going to struggle. And the reason being, a lot of teams did the Vegas Golden Knights a lot of favors and made trades with them saying, don't take this player. We don't want to lose player X, player Y. Well, in doing that, they allowed the Vegas Golden Knights to accumulate a lot of good players. They were essentially able to roll out – you know, three, three second lines and a third line every night because every team was so worried about losing the first line players. They were just a, a solid depth team right off the bat. Seattle's not going to have that luxury. Teams are going to go to hell with it. I'm losing a player. I'm only losing one player, not three players. You're not going to have Florida trading you Jonathan Marcia so it, in hopes that you don't take another guy. It, that's not going to happen. The, the teams are going to go to hell with it. You get one guy, here's your list, nothing else. So that, that's my take on it.
0: I, I don't think they're going to be past year's expansion bad, where the team's going to struggle to win 20 games maybe out of the gate. I think that they're not going to be like the Golden Knights because Trevor's right. They're, those teams are not going to give the farm away to protect someone. But where I think that they will – be better than most expansion teams. I think they will have a competitive team because teams are going to look at it. We have a flat cap this year and yeah. probably for the next 2, possibly 3 years, the cap's not going to change. So teams are going to look at it and go, "Man, uh we're not in a good cap space and we've got to pay this guy coming up. We don't have to protect him. So take him." I think the Seattle's going to get better than expected. They're not going to get Jonathan Marshall shows. They're not going to get those players like uh, Vegas did. I think William they're
1: Carlson. Be,
0: yeah. They're going to be competitive though. I think because they're going to get a bunch of guys that are, they're going to be competitive. They just are going to be decent players. They're not going to get a guy that you're trying to figure out where he was the past seven years before he was put on an NHL top line. They're going to have some recognizable names, And I think with that franchise, with the money they got, they'll be able to spend in free agency. So no, they're not going to be Vegas. Good. No, they're not going to be Anaheim, Ottawa bad either when they come in the league,
1: I'm going to follow up on Ken's point there about the flat salary cap. And I actually think that is going to play into Seattle's benefit because I think better players are going to be made available to them via the expansion draft simply because that player might have a slightly higher salary. And this might be a perfect time to say, you know what, let's rid ourselves of that guy who's making $2 million too much a year. Let's expose him and hope Seattle takes him. And let's use that salary cap money or literally just save that money and spend it in the future. So I do think teams are gonna expose some better players who might be on a slightly higher contract because of the financial situation of the NHL right now.
2: Yeah, that's always going to be the other thing. When you're the second expansion team, you're not going to get teams making as many mistakes as with the, the first or the one that came previous to you. Uh, interesting, something that I just thought of, Ken, with another team in the Pacific Northwest, do you think that that's going to breed just a rivalry off the bat with the Canucks when we're able – obviously not in, in – hopefully by sometime when the league is kind of normal – does do you think that there's going to be a little bit of a rivalry or is Vancouver funny enough to say because Vancouver was at one point a small franchise but are they established enough now that they're basically still going to hold over the Pacific Northwest do you think?
0: Yo, that's a that's a built-in rivalry right away. Like that is they're
1: go cracking
0: <laughs> arena to arena you're probably talking maybe 3 hours. So it's so close together. It's, it's almost the same as the distance between the Battle of Alberta. It for, is. It's Calgary and Edmonton. So, yeah, it is going to be a rivalry. You already have it with the MLS, with the Vancouver Whitecaps, and the Seattle Sounders. Uh, you, you didn't have it for long, but the Supersonics and Grizzlies, You it was a built-in rivalry right away, and I think it will be a good one. And hopefully by next season, the borders are open and we can go back to normal. Uh, at that point in time, we're still a ways away from that. But, yeah, that's a that's a huge rivalry right away, right off the hop. And it'll be nice. It won't happen on Hockey Day in Canada's, but maybe where we've only got seven teams in Canada on a hockey day, if Vancouver's not playing a Canadian team, they'll be playing Seattle on the same day. So, yeah, it's it's huge, and I'm looking forward to it.
1: If the NHL doesn't schedule a home-and-home between Seattle and Vancouver as the first two games ever for the Seattle Kraken, that's a loss.
2: Yeah. So we know Bettman's not going to do it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, it's what
1: the fans (laughs) want. So he'll save the last eight games of the season. (laughs) Game 64 or 74 through 82 will be the Kraken Canucks.
2: Yeah, he'll make sure that it's one of the games where they switch over to the Kentucky Derby. During the middle of the
0: <laughs> that only happens in playoffs, Jimmy. Come on. Well, that's true. Hey, what do uh, you
1: guys think of the name Kraken? I personally love it. I think it's a great name.
2: That's creative. <laughs> I didn't. I thought that it was going to be like the the fish. Obviously, makes sense with Seattle, but I didn't think that it was going to be like an outlandish kind of fish. I thought it might be. It, it can't be the sharks, but you know something something a little bit more along the lines of an ocean predator other than a kraken That I, I don't know it seemed a little bit out there it was weird
1: come on you're gonna have the crack addicts at the crack house it's gonna be great
2: <laughs> i don't know go ahead jimmy sorry i was just saying i don't know if i could talk that much because my team personified a natural disaster <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about it now they uh, i'm cheering for the avalanche the avalanche we've been very worried about it in Colorado in the mountains because there's been avalanche warnings for the past three weeks. It's not a good thing. I don't know why I'm cheering for the avalanche, but I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: uh, actually, you know what? When it when I saw the uniforms, I saw the color scheme. It's I, 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 I enjoy it. It's pretty good.
1: The logo is solid. Yeah. Like yeah that, that is uh, The beautiful uniforms.
0: There's the anchor, like the anchors, the secondary on the shoulder patch and oh. things. Someone actually put it together, the anchor with the Kraken, like kind of the seattle S and Yeah. Everything. That, that was stellar. I, th- I think the guy actually got it tattooed, even though it, it's not the actual logo, but it was still
2: great.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, that jersey and logo, those are home runs by the league. Yeah. They're so well done.
2: No, absolutely. They're great. Yeah, there's big things coming. I think Seattle's a huge – I mean, Seattle can support any kind of sports franchise, so hockey in Seattle is going to be big. Uh, last question that we'll get to before we kind of wrap things up for this week's episode – and that's top goal scorer in the league. This is another one that we had planned out. So I know you guys have had a chance to think it over a little bit. But let's go ahead and, and argue best goal scorer in the league because there's some there's a couple different people I think you can give it to. But let's let's see where you guys land.
1: You know what, Jimmy? I want you to answer this question first.
2: Um, selfishly, I'm going to go with Nathan McKinnon. And uh, nobody uh, – I, I'm a Nathan McKinnon stand at this point and and that's for sure but it's when what whatever I can say about him is true I'll, I'll stand behind it he is one of the top goal scorers and he can go in between three or four defenders he can have a one-on-three and still somehow make a good chance at the net so I, I'm going to say Nathan McKinnon and I know that it's going to get laughed at by a good portion of, of the NHL community because he's not necessarily a goal scorer he's a playmaker. I'll say that. And then he plays well on defense too. Um So that takes a, a little bit away from his goal scoring.
1: I don't laugh at it at all. Nathan McKinnon no. is a do everything. He's a 40 to 50 goal scorer. He's a hundred to 120 point player. He's a plus player. He plays in all three zones. It's, there's no, uh, Nathan McKinnon is never the wrong answer.
0: No, you, you, you said he was a playmaker. Yeah. He does have 317 assists, 193 goals in his 537 games you know almost 200 goals in 537 games is nothing to sneeze at so you're not wrong in saying that and anyone that's going to argue it is going to have to dig deep and I think in my opinion I don't think Trevor you disagree with that no not at all this is almost a question where it really isn't a wrong answer too
2: yeah I just remember a couple years ago where I would say Nathan McKinnon I'd get laughed at (laughs) Connor McDavid's a better goal scorer which I'll take now, knowing the fact that Nathan McKinnon's a better overall player. There's just a, there was a time where when you say Nathan McKinnon, everybody was going to throw back in your face Conor McDavid, which I see. If you're going to just go goal for goal, probably Conor McDavid, but I, I would always rather have the better player than the better goal scorer.
1: I watched Nathan McKinnon torch my Calgary Flames in 2019 in that five-game series, and ever since then, I've just had a new level of respect for how unbelievably good that guy is
0: yeah i mean i know he's got a couple hundred almost 200 games less but Connor mcdavid's got 171 goals 330 assists so when you look at the average and the ratio it's it's similar right mcdavid's probably going to end up with more over the long run but when you look at it you would think goal scorer mcdavid's got 171 uh, and mckinnon's got 193 so it's you're not off on that one at all. And again, like I said, there's no real wrong answer to this question. We'll see.
1: So I'm going to take it. I kind of got a two pronged approach on this one. I got the the best sniper and I think the best finisher. I think the best sniper in the league right now, like if I had to pick a guy to shoot the puck from the top of the circles and I want to score a goal, David Pasternak, the guy's shot is absolutely lethal and he just scores from everywhere from the top of the circles so Pasternak is probably the best sniper I think the best finisher right now and this goes back to my stud of the week and that's Austin Matthews the guy just scores goals it's all he does like I said earlier in the show 16 goals in 13 games like I never would have said that even two weeks ago but the Terry's on right now combined with what he's done kind of throughout his career he's He's a 40 to 60 goal potential every season. So best finisher, Austin Matthews.
0: Yeah, Austin Matthews, 299 games, 174 goals. I don't know if that's updated after tonight's game or not, but uh, looking at the NHL stats here on the site, 310 points in 299 games. Uh, That's a goal scorer right there pains me to say it but mcdavid he he's that's what he does like to be honest that that's his game is scoring goals getting points setting guys up he's uh finally we said 501 points in 369 games 171 of those are goals it's impressive what he can do um but also ovi he has 711 goals in 1162 games, like that's insane. 1291 points. The guy has 711 goals. It's just yeah. 711. I'm sorry. It's just that is a number that is so much higher than everyone else
1: in today's you, game, too.
0: Yeah, even if you doubled some of these guys' uh, years, games played, and everything like that they're still not touching Ovi. With a ten foot pole. Like there's still three hundred goals behind him. This is a guy that's been doing it for a long time. He uh it's impressive. I know he was my my GOAT, my, the greatest of the era. That's why he's got seven hundred and eleven. Sidney Crosby's got four sixty-eight in nine hundred and ninety-nine games. So equally as impressive every other game, he's getting a goal. These guys are all great goal scorers, but you know, for once I will pick Connor McDavid as the best goal scorer in the league.
1: I gonna I'm gonna question you on that one, Ken, because I don't even think Connor McDavid is the best goal scorer on his team. I think Leon Dreisidel is the better goal scorer out of those two. I think he gets a lot of the benefit of some of uh, some very nice setups from Connor McDavid, but have you seen some of the shots that that Dreisaitl can snipe? Like I think when you're talking sheer goal scorer, I think it's Seidel on that team.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I meant to mute my mic. Uh, that's what I was trying to do. Technology, it's a wonderful thing. I clicked the button. Leon Drysaitel, oh wow, Drysaitel. Leon Drysaitel has been in the league less than Connor McDavid for the years, but he's played more games because of injury. Drysaitel has 440 games played and 178 goals. So is he or is he the benefactor of McDavid's 330 assists?
1: I would think there's some of that in there, but I just think when you're actually talking about who scores most more goals on that team, it's Leon Dreisaitl, not Connor McDavid.
0: So, okay, let's play the game. Let's play the what-ifs. If you remove Leon Dreisaitl from the Edmonton Oilers, which I'm sure in the first year of his pro career with them, he wanted. Fingers
1: crossed.
0: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If Leon Dreisaitl was a Minnesota Wild, would he have 450 points in 440 games? And would McDavid still have the exact same stats with someone else on his wing?
1: I think McDavid would have the same stats. I think Dreisaitl gets the benefit of playing on the power play with him, but he's 5-on-5, he's not playing with him. So Uh, McDavid would still have high points, but I agree with you that I think they are inflated a little bit because of getting to be on the power play with McDavid. So
0: Yeah. And that's, and, and again, it's not to take away from Dreisaitl and for what he has done and is doing right now. It's just, it's one of those in the sense Connor McDavid does make Leon Dreisaitl better when they've played together and gives him that confidence. Leon Dreisaitl maybe doesn't get also the top pairing defense uh, when they're, when he's on the ice, because they're focused on McDavid. So he gets maybe the lower, uh, lower pairings and more opportunity to go because of checking lines, fo- uh, focusing on McDavid.
1: You know, I got to give Jimmy a little bit of props here. He got both of us mad at him in segment one. And in segment three, he got both of us doling out Edmonton Oilers love. So I don't know what your magic tonic is, Jimmy, but you're doing a hell of a job.
2: It's, that's what I learned in communications classes. I can make you hate me, but I can make you love me as well, um, I think the fact
1: you're making us love the Edmonton Oilers is uh, crazy.
2: Who would yeah. have thought? Who would have thought, right? A Canuck and a Calgary Flame giving out love to the Edmonton Oilers, arguing over who's the better scorer on the Edmonton Oilers? Wow. This is not hard. And to how find good my their night.
1: fan base is.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're going to have a rough day Saturday, especially if your coworkers listen to this on Friday. Uh, but. That's going to be it for this week of two for chirping. We had a lot of, we we talked a lot about sports other than hockey, but then the hockey discussion was great as well. Uh, guys, where can they find the bleacher connection on the unhinged sports network?
0: So that's, uh, our premier episode is Tuesdays, 3 p.m. Eastern noon Pacific. And then we, uh, replay a couple hours after that as well on Tuesday. So you got a couple opportunities to hear our uh, new episode and then we, uh, are throughout the week at various times. If you want to check out when, if you go to at the bleach con one at the bleach con two, both of our tw- uh, pin tweets have our show times as well as our Facebook page, the bleacher connection podcast.
2: Yeah. Check those guys out. Ken and Trevor do a lot of good and, and they are one of the only podcasts that I've found that actually talk about the CFL in a manner that's entertaining because I listened to their last episode and, I haven't watched the CFL game, but I was entertained by the free agency talk that you guys were having. So be sure to check out the Bleacher Connection Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, You can find my show, The Far End of the Bench, Wednesdays, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Myself and Nico, we talk mainly about, uh, we're just basically talking about all different kinds of sports, like the Bleacher Connection. We kind of spend a little bit more time in Denver because the Nuggets and Avalanche don't get the national attention that they deserve. So we try and give that to them. But uh, we have some new weekly segments that we started out. So uh, we're, we're doing things there. We also have a YouTube channel, The Far End of the Bench. Go sh- be sure to subscribe. Uh, we have clips coming out throughout the week. No more full episodes on YouTube. But we also have a couple of uh, fun little videos, uh, color cast highlights. And then also uh, we have a men's rec-, rec league basketball team that is called The Far End of the Bench. And we, we're having a midseason highlight, quote unquote, because we're one in three. Uh, it hasn't been a great season, but we have that video coming out next weekend. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, as for the network, follow the network on Twitter at network unhinged Instagram at unhinged SN unhinged SN.com. If you want to read the blogs and check out past guests that were on the network unhinged SN.airtime.pro 24, seven coverage from the unhinged sports network. That's where you can find uh, what the bleacher connection and the far end of the bench in their premier times and the, the rest of the times throughout the week for that. Be sure to follow the two for Chirping Twitter page as well at two for Chirping. Uh, and I think that'll be it for this week's episode. We will see you guys next week after some more NFL NHL action. Wow, man, it's too many shows. I'm on too many shows on the network. We'll see you more next week after NHL action.